Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 3rd of May 2009, entitled Children and Heritage of the Lord, and the Bible reading is Psalm 127. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Andrew and Jenny have asked some weeks back that uh, they be able to dedicate their two children to the Lord. And so we're going to look into God's Word for just a, uh, just a few moments. I'd like to read to you for our reading this evening, Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And just really a couple of simple thoughts from this passage as we look here this evening. First of all, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in Psalm 127 and verse 1. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quick full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let us pray. Father, I thank you again, Lord, for this time that we can be gathered together this evening. And Lord, we do not take it lightly. We realize that, Lord, the very breath that we breathe, the health and strength we have to be here is all a gift from you. Father, we realize this place that has been dedicated for your worship and your work, your people to gather in. Lord, we realize that even that, Lord, is a gift from you. Father, as we come this evening, we recognize that, Lord, this word that we've just read from, that, Lord, it's your preserved word and that it's through the power of your spirit that these words might be made alive, that we might have a clear understanding this evening. And that's what we pray for, Lord, that you might speak to every heart because, Lord, you know before we came exactly who would be here this evening. You know the needs of each and every individual. We pray this evening that we would be receptive to that which you have for us, that we would be responsive in whatever way we need. For in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. The Bible says that children are an heritage of the Lord. Have you ever thought about the fact that everything that we do in life it's either of some kind of value that we can place a value upon it, or it's done in vain. It's worthless. Everything that we not only do, but everything that we possess in life, it has some value that we're able to calculate and put a value on it, or it's worthless having no value at all. All that is measurable, it has some measure of fullness or some measure of its sheer emptiness. That's part of the picture of what the Lord is trying to give to us here because with that thought in mind, I would ask you the question, well, what about this matter of life itself? What value do we place upon a life? 
That could be applied to the people around us. That could be applied to our own lives. But the children, especially this evening as we gather for this special time to dedicate these children, what kind of value do we place upon our children? And that is precisely what God is discussing here in Psalm 127. And I've really broken it into two things. We can think of that which is done for vanity or value. Vanity or value. Does our lives that we live, does the lives of our children that God has given us, do they have real value to us or is it all really in vain? We could ask ourselves when we look at our own lives, is there a fullness to our life or is there an emptiness, something that is void? We find that in looking at this passage, we find that each and every one of us can fall into one of these two categories, the vanity of life or the value of life. Notice, first of all, in the first two verses, he talks about this, this vanity, this emptiness, if you would. You see, without God, you know, one of the things that most of us would value in life is hard work. We respect somebody that works hard, somebody that, that labors for what they have. Well, he says here, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, I realize that there's some strange people in this world, but most people, most people would desire that they have a home, that their home be built and it has meaning to it and it that everyone within that family has this consciousness of the love one for another, the unity of family, that somebody loves them unconditionally no matter what. <laughs> oh, yes, we can do wrong. You know, I can remember getting a few hidings myself as I was growing up, but I never, ever questioned that my parents loved me. We realize that as we look here that we could really Put this together in an equation, if you would, that human hands, with all of their best intentions, with all of the greatest exercises and strength and talents and everything that we could build with these hands, that our hands, without the hand of God, equals vanity. It equals worthlessness. Except the Lord build the house. He says, they labor in vain. They labor for nothing that build it. It's useless for us to try. And, of course, I believe that many times we can apply this terminology via house to, to different things. It might be the house, the home that we, that we live in. It might be God's house. It might be the house of this tabernacle here. You see, the truth is, is that Wherever that we apply it, the same truth applies. That if we build it with our own hands, we do it in vain without God. And this is part of what that I would challenge Andrew and Jenny to remember this evening, that 
the greatest thing they can ever give their children that they have within them, that they possess, is that simple thing called love, unconditional love. God loves us. You know, it's hard for me to comprehend, imagine how that God could love us when he, he knew everything wrong that we would ever do. He knew exactly how bad that we were going to fail him. He knew all the mistakes that we would make, and yet he still loved us enough that he was willing to be hung on that cross and to die for our sins. Except the Lord build. Andrew and Jenny, I would say this evening, that's part of hopefully what they recognize when they come dedicating these children to God that they want to do everything they possibly can. But along with their two hands and what they do, they need the hand of God. That home is to be built to stand. Not only do they labor in vain, but the Bible also says that we look in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You see, we can apply that a question too. We can see many things as watchmen. We can look, and, and, and we do. I mean, we look for good things, and we look for the dangers, and we want to be alert for all of these things. And part of the responsibility that we have for our children as parents is the protection of those children, to watch over those children. But just as surely as our hands without the hand of God is vanity, the human eye without the eye of God, equals vanity. We look in vain. The truth is, is that our eyesight is so limited. Yes, we can see the happenings and the circumstances and, and those things that are happening around us. I will call your attention into the New Testament to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, just a a couple of verses there. First of all, beginning in verse 17, notice he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, you know, I had somebody tell me one time, and I can remember this was, this was one of the few things that I remember from school, and that's the fact that each and every one of us, sometimes we think of these things, most of us don't jump with joy if somebody looks at us and says, you're ignorant. <laughs> we might take a little bit of offense. One thing that I was taught is that, you know, every one of us are retarded in some way. We are ignorant in some way. We don't know everything about everything. There might, might be areas that we're very gifted and that we have a lot of knowledge about. There's other areas that we know nothing about. Well, the Bible's talking here about the fact that the human mind being darkened. He's talking about an ignorance of spiritual things there for a very good reason, because of the blindness of the heart. He says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's just living for me and, and all the pleasures and all the joys of the flesh to work all uncleanness with greediness. 
but ye have not so learned in Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, the truth is, is that it's only through God's spiritual enlightening that we can understand spiritual matters. We can have all the best intentions in the world. He says here in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Be ye therefore followers of God, as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You know, the love of a child is something very, very special, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, have you, ever, have you ever seen the youngsters when they get out? And, and I mean, there is absolutely nobody in the world like their dad and like their mom. I don't care what your dad can do. You better believe my dad can do it better. <laughs> or my dad can do something that's better or better than that. <laughs> and the truth is, they, there's just nothing in the world. That's before they get old enough to really know us, see. <laughs> but the fact is, is that it's just a, an uninhibited love. And they, they trust mom and dad so implicitly. I, I I can remember years ago when we first came here and, 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 and Tyler was just, just, just barely out of diapers. And I used the illustration by setting up on that platform and just saying, jump. Never hesitated. Just jumped into dad's arms. Well, you know, I could have just moved out of the way and let him, boom, hit the floor. <laughs> he never even thought that that could possibly happen. It never even entered his mind that that would happen. He says, be followers of Christ as dear children. But see, that also shows us a great responsibility, folks. At this point in children's lives, when you look at little Jessica and you look at little Lucas, you know, they look to mom and dad. They trust everything that mom and dad tells them and, and does for them. And the truth is, that puts a great responsibility on mom and dad. Because what are we going to be teaching them? The Bible says that Without God, your labor is in vain. Your look, your eyesight, your visibility is in vain. The human eye is not going to see. It's not going to see many of the dangers that are there. It's not going to see the devil when he's on the attack. It's not going to see many of the disasters and the destruction and those things that are going to come along that God sees it all, except the Lord keep. He's the only one that can build. He's the only one that can keep. Notice what he says in, in verse 2. He says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. See, without God, we labor in vain, we look in vain. Without God, we labor in vain. That's such a tragedy. doesn't matter how diligent that we are in our efforts. 
It doesn't matter how well-meaning that we are. You see, the truth is this evening, uh, my life in Christ, my ability to stand and say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm proud of it. My confidence in the life beyond this life with Him for all of eternity, it doesn't lie in me. I don't have that promise because of how good that I live my life, because of how many fewer mistakes that I might make than you. It's all because of Him and His grace. It's all because of Him. It doesn't matter how genuine and how diligent that we are in our efforts without the Lord. We'll not find that peace. We'll not find that rest. He says here, it doesn't matter how early that you start in the morning. It doesn't matter how late that you finish at night. You see, in all of our days, as long and as wearisome as they might be sometimes, without God, those days that we live equals vanity. We find that there are so many that I guess we spend so much of our time worrying about this and worrying about that, tormenting ourselves, when he's told us not to be anxious for anything, all of man's efforts. You know, man can do some great things. Men have done great things. Men will continue to do great things. Men can be very religious. They can be very well-meaning in everything that they do but they cannot bring to that life what only God can bring. There's a rest that only He can give. He is our provider. He is our protector. He is our peace. And that's the responsibility in essence. He is all of those things for us. And as parents, He gives us that responsibility for our children. But He's teaching us here that even as we take that responsibility, we need Him. We need His strength. We need His wisdom. We need His strength. We need His sight. He's the only one that can help us to build that house and to keep what's there. But notice this. The next three verses, He not only speaks here of the vanity of how that we can do all these things for nothing, but he speaks of the value, of the fullness, if you would, of life. You see, without God building our homes and keeping us safe and giving us peace and bringing that contentment when it doesn't even make sense, he places a value on our children. He places a value on our children that is quite incredible, really. Matter of fact, God says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The value of one soul to God Almighty. Oh, we know that if you've had children and if you've raised children, that it's not always the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> there are definitely some challenges that come with it. Sometimes there are going to be some real heavy burdens to shoulder. Some things are just going to cost too much. I told somebody the other day, 
I said, with six kids, I thought there was going to be a day when they would start reaching an age where it got less expensive, but it, it seems to just get more expensive all the time. We find that the bare necessities of life sometimes can become a burden. They've got to have food. They've got to have clothing. They've got to have their educations. <laughs> Even smiled when I was writing this. You know, I was thinking because we've got a lot of weddings going on this year, and I mean, you know, when you have girls, you even got to pay to get rid of them one day, praise God, <laughs> to give them to somebody else. <laughs> Sometimes children can mean a loss. I've stood and preached a number of funerals for youngsters, for babies even. Sometimes children can bring great losses to us. Sometimes they can mean broken hearts. <laughs> we find that one of the few things that we can do, the Bible says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. We can't make our children follow God. But we don't want to stand before God one day and have that awful judgment brought against us that we didn't teach them better. You see, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. They will not get away from those things that they've been taught, good or bad. It's while they're young, while we're instilling those things into them. They need to be taught the Word of God. They need to be taught the principles of God. And even if they choose to go another direction in life, it's not because they don't have the truth. We don't want to be responsible for them not having that truth. Some will follow God. Some will break our hearts and choose to go the way of the world. But in the end, we can only look to Him and trust Him and remember that children are an heritage of the Lord. We think of a heritage. We think of an inheritance. We think of something that has some value to it. We find that he says here in verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. The Bible says they're a reward. They're a, a gift. We need to realize the blessing of them. And you know that unless God gives that child, that child will not exist. <laughs> Every child that we have is a gift from him, a reward from the Lord, a God-given gift. He not only talks about it being a reward, but he talks about a resource here. He talks about them being arrows, and this is interesting. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Arrows in the hand of a mighty man. A warrior is the one that uses his, his arrows, and his arrows are a resource to him. It's, it's his strength. As a matter of fact, if he, if he goes out there and he can be a great warrior, but if he goes out on the battlefield and he doesn't have his arrows, that which he uses to fight those battles with, then he's going to be useless. He can't fight the battle without them. We find that he says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of our youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full 
of them. My pastor looked at me and smiled when we had our fifth one. said, I think your quiver's full now. <laughs> but uh, if it was, it's overflowing now because uh, that wasn't the, uh, the end. But the Bible says, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. You see, there's a responsibility that comes with it as well. How many of you have ever shot an arrow before? Some people have shot an arrow. Well, how many of you have ever been walking through the woods and found an arrow just growing on a tree somewhere? (laughs) They don't do that, do they? We find that they don't just grow naturally. We find that arrows, they have a shaft. And that just begins as just ordinary stick. It might have knots and it might be rugged and everything. And it's got to be worked out. It's got to be smoothed and straightened and defined into that nice straight shaft that it becomes. It's got a head on it, which is the point. The truth is, that doesn't just get there automatically. It's got to be sharpened so that when it's shot at its target, it'll stick and not just bounce off. If you've ever shot an arrow or seen one, you notice that on one end of that shaft is the arrow, but on the other, it's got those little feathers. You ever try to shoot one without the feathers, you'll find out why the feathers are there. That's what gives it its balance. You take away those feathers, and, and that thing will just go any which way. But that gives it its balance so that it can fly smoothly. And, of course, you can take an arrow as refined as it might be, and you can throw it at the target if you want to, but it's not going to have much effect takes the bow to pull back and to send that arrow on its way. That's the only way that it's going to, to hit the mark. And, of course, the quiver is what is there to protect those arrows, to keep them safe on their way until they're, they're ready to be fired. You see, a child is dependent on its parent for its support, its safety, its sustenance. The parent's the one that has to to guide and give direction left to themselves. They're completely helpless. But parents are also dependent upon the children. (laughs) They're dependent upon those children for a happiness that nothing else in all the world can bring. You know, it's hard to put into words. The love is a very special thing, but there is something about your child, a gift from God, and yet he's taken a part of that husband and that wife, a part of each of them, to make this new living human being a life created by God, yes, but by using those parents and parts of them to create that that new life. He says here that they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. <laughs> I guess a lot of parents like to think sometimes at some point mom and dad's going to get old and the children are going to grow up and the, re- the ro- roles are going to reverse a little bit and instead of mom and dad taking care of the children, the children will start taking care of the mom and dad. And many times we see those reversals take place. You see, as we look at these passages, God shows us that our lives Our lives can be vain. Our lives can be empty. 
where our lives can have value. They can have a, a fullness to them. Of course, the importance is that in all of this, God gives us a responsibility with those children that He gives us with that are in heritage from the Lord, a reward, a gift from Him. But along with it comes a great responsibility as He gives us this illustration of them being like arrows in that warrior's hand. And that's a tremendous responsibility, but He rewards us and He gives us and they're a special gift like nothing else in all the world can be. And yes, they're a priceless gift. A gift that is beyond the values of all the earth. An heritage of the Lord Himself. As Andrew and Jenny realized the great responsibility that they have. As they recognize that as these two young children, as their lives are formed, that it's an awesome responsibility in their hands, not only for those lives to be formed, but one day that those lives can be shot at the target in the right direction. Yes, one day they will grow up and they will live their own lives. They'll make their own choices. Some mom and dad will agree with and some won't. But they're here this evening because they at least realize that in order to be successful in that task, they need help. They need the help of the Lord. And of course, I ask Andrew and Jenny both before that they came to dedicate these children this evening. I asked them about their own faith because it's kind of pointless to call out to God and cry out to God to do all these wonderful things in our children's lives if we don't have a personal relationship with that Lord ourselves, if we're not living the life before them that needs to be the example. We find that what we do this evening, you'll notice that we don't have a font. We don't baptize babies. And I'm not going to get here and get on the bandwagon for those that do and those that don't. The truth is, is that I believe what we're doing here this evening is biblical. The only baptisms we find in Scripture are those that have made a profession themselves. You can baptize a baby as many times as you want to baptize him, but unless he makes that personal profession... It'll accomplish nothing in his spiritual life. Though that it's done with the greatest and the best of intentions, it will accomplish nothing for them. We find if we look into Scripture, first of all, if we look back into 1 Samuel, I will call your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 20. We find that what we do here this evening is scriptural. Notice what it says beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. 
And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Now Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Harry, until thou hast weaned him, only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. Literally lent him to the Lord, have granted him to the Lord, have given him back to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that are hungry ceased, so that the barren hath, been, hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set him among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces out of heaven Shall he thunder upon them? The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. You see, what I want you to grasp here is the picture that Hannah, the first thing she had done was prayed and asked God to give her a child. And God blessed and answered that prayer, and she had that gift of a child. But then as soon as she was able to wean that child, she brought that child in to give him back to God. For as long as he lived. But the truth is, as we read on, boy, she had no doubts as to why she wanted him to belong to the Lord. She knew with absolute faith that God was the one that was in control. And she wanted that God to be in control of her son Samuel's life. And of course, we're reading 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, two books in the Word of God that were named after this very child. We find that if you look into the New Testament, into the Gospel of Luke, notice in Luke chapter 2, a familiar story to most that would be here this evening. Notice what it says in verse 21 and 22. 
And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. See, Samuel was brought and presented to the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, he was brought as an infant and he was presented unto the Lord. Notice in Mark chapter 10, notice beginning in verse 13, he says, And they brought young children to him, speaking about Jesus, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. You see, sometimes we want to be so grown up with our religion, with all of our theology. He's saying here, unless you come as a little child with that childlike faith, you're not even going to see the kingdom of God. Don't forbid those children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom. You see, I say to you simply this evening, that what we do here this evening, we don't do it to be different. We do it because in the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, this is what we find to be the biblical thing for those that trust and have their faith in God to bring their children, to present them to God. Why? Because first of all, God's the one that's given them to us. God's the one that can protect them like no other God's the one that can guide their lives like no human intelligence is able to do. And the truth is, it is their life is to have value rather than vanity. If it's to have worth instead of worthlessness, there is no greater value. There is no greater worth of a life than to be spent and used for God and for His glory who Andrew and Jenny, I want to read just a couple of verses to you this evening just before you bring the children. And you know, there is absolutely nothing that I, as the pastor of this church, can do for these children this evening except in prayer, commit them unto the Lord. And as I have shared with Andrew and Jenny, unless that prayer is genuine from their hearts, it's worthless. There's no point in them making a show just because it is a traditional thing to have a child baptized or dedicated or whatever, unless it's genuine. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 to 19, and the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I 
know. I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. The Lord is speaking of the great responsibility here, but he knew. He knew this man. He knew how that he would command and teach his own children and the importance of that for God to fulfill that which he wanted to fulfill in that life. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, notice what it says in verse 6 and 7, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Andrew and Jenny, that thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. He's talking about the Word of God, that it should have a natural place in that home, in whatever we're doing whether we're resting or whether we're out doing or whatever's going on in our lives, there should be a natural place that they should know that God and His Word are a part of our lives or a part of our home. We find that in Proverbs 22. And of course, the book of Proverbs is one of the places that I recommend every teenager should turn and read. <laughs> It's just a book of wisdom, and it's not like you've got to concentrate on a whole long story for chapters at a time. Usually it's maybe one verse or part of a verse or several verses that share such wisdom. In Proverbs 22 and verse 6, we spoke of this verse earlier. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. You can't make your child be anything, but he cannot get away from the teachings that you instill within him. And then one other passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. As the Apostle Paul was writing to young Timothy, and of course Timothy was a young man in the ministry and he was being addressed of the great responsibilities that he was going to have in that ministry. And Paul said to him, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You see, all the words in the world, all the words in the world will not make up for the life that is lived. Paul wrote to young Timothy, and he said, I know the faith that was in your grandmother. And it was passed from your grandmother down to your mother. And I'm convinced it's been passed from your mother down to you. And that's pretty awesome, too, when you begin to think. You begin to think about the responsibility it's not just one life. But if God tarries and this earth, is here, this earth is still here for a few years to come, 
then we find that it's not really that long ago since it was we that were at our parents' feet and they at their parents' feet. We find that the responsibility is tremendous. And so, Andrew and Jenny, if you'd like to just come down here to the front with the little ones, <laughs> my charge to both of you this evening, that first of all, I am so happy and proud that you recognize the need that for these precious gifts that God has, has given you. And yes, as they grow, they'll present all kinds of challenges. There's going to be times when there's going to be burdens to carry for them, but they're going to bring you joy and happiness. They're going to bring something to your life that nothing else in all the world could ever bring to you. And from this time, even as young as they are right now in their lives, the lives that you lived before them, the things that they're taught both by what you say and what you do is having an impact even now. And that's an awesome responsibility, but it's also a great privilege, just like that era. You know, I've often said that with most of us, we really figure out how to be a parent just about the time that we finish being a parent, but we never really finish being a parent. You'll make mistakes. You'll make some bad choices and some bad decisions. But you see, that's why that there is no choice, no decision. There's nothing that you ever do with these children that God's not there to help you. Trust Him. Go to Him. Pray, pray together for your children. Seek God's guidance because God knows what tomorrow holds when, when we don't. And as you've affirmed to me your own faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I say to you unashamedly, I believe there is absolutely nothing in all the world that you can give your children, that you can do for your children that's more important than sharing that same faith with them, that same Jesus Christ has given you life eternal. Everything in this life is temporary, everything. There is nothing that lasts, but you can offer them that same gift of Jesus Christ that can give them life everlasting. And so we're going to pray for both of them at this time. And it's not my prayer that can accomplish this, but my prayer is going to be twofold as we pray now. I'm going to pray, first of all, for you as the parents, that God would give you strength and wisdom, that He would help you to take that responsibility and look to Him for the guidance. And then we're going to pray for these two children, that God's protection would be upon them, that as He gives you guidance and wisdom and strength and all that you need to raise them, that He'll always be there with them, that He might take these precious lives. Even now, we read, I mean, Samuel was just tiny, and yet God's plans were already made for him. We find this time and time and time again in Scripture that even now God's hand might be upon them. Their, their lives might have and present something of greater value than anything this world can, can ever give them. All right? And if he makes a bit of noise, don't let it worry you. God can, God can still hear the prayer anyway, all right? Our Father and our God, as we come to you once again this evening, Lord, first of all, I thank you that Andrew and Jenny have 
Lord, in their own words, have said that, yes, they know that they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. That as parents this evening, it's important for them to dedicate these children into your care, to have your strength and your help and your guidance. And, Lord, we know that the job will be challenging for them at times. We know that there'll be times when they won't have the answers within themselves. But, Lord, I pray this evening, I pray that you would help them. I pray that their lives would ever be dedicated to you, that they would seek your wisdom in all that they do. The Father, they would both teach and live their lives before these children, that they could see that it's not just some matter of religion, it's not just going to church, but that it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray for, for Lucas and Jessica this evening, and I pray, Lord, that your special hand of protection would be upon both of them. I pray, Lord, that you would take and, and that you would use their lives for something that Lord, would be special to you. We pray, Lord, that as they grow and as they're nurtured and as they're taught, that you would help them, Lord, to, to find the right paths in lives, that their lives might mean something very special indeed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. But this evening, as these two youngsters are by their parents, they're dedicated back to the Lord, then I would encourage each and every one of you here this evening as a church to pray for them, to pray that their lives might be the lives they need to be before their children, and pray that these children would know the love of Christ, that they would know how much that they're loved both here and for all of eternity. It's not an easy task to raise children. But I say that of all the privileges we're given in this life, it's still the most rewarding. Even when we make mistakes, even when we get it wrong sometimes, we find that it's still one of the greatest privileges that we have in all of the world. And so I encourage you as a church to, to pray for Andrew and Jenny and to pray for these two children to pray that God would ever be with them, God's hand would be upon them. And yes, even now, that God would use them in some very special way. We're going to sing for our dedication hymn this evening, and I want us to sing this because really I think the words are very, very appropriate. We can come here this evening with confidence of what the future holds for these children, even amidst a society that seems to be falling apart every way we turn. But the song says, because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And so I'm going to invite you to stand and to sing with us this dedication song this evening that it's because that Jesus Christ lives that we can be here for this special purpose this evening. 